deaths. We're talking about the Compassionate Intervention Act. Now, medical experts say that this is really just a political strategy that is sort of disguised as a health intervention. So suggesting that this is something that intends to control vulnerable and stigmatized populations that are addicted to drugs without resources to find their way out of it. So is that what it is? Or is this a a way to try to deal with what's really looking more and more like a crisis, not just in our city, but in our nation? So we're going to get some details right now with our first guest of the show, uh, who was one of the writers of an opinion piece for for this subject, for the Edmonton Journal. He's a registered nurse and president of the Harm Reduction Nurses Association. Corey Ranger is joining us. Corey, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. So I know I I know that I described you know from the perspective of medical experts what the Compassionate Intervention Act seems to be, but what is its intended goal? What what are we really talking about here? Can you help sort of define it? Yeah, for sure. I think if we're going to have a, a conversation about this in a meaningful way, we have to have a mutual understanding of what this public health emergency actually is. Sure. The amount of toxic misinformation that's swirling around this subject is actually preventing these kinds of conversations from happening, and it's being very divisive. Okay. We're talking about a public health emergency that's killed 36,442 Canadians since January of 2016. We're talking about a mass poisoning situation, an unregulated drug poisoning emergency made possible by bad laws. We're talking about a drug poisoning crisis so volatile that Daniel Smith herself even said that we've never seen anything like this before. In Alberta, just last week, there was a record-breaking amount of ambulance call-outs for drug poisonings. And just last week, uh, and in April, more people died of drug poisonings than in any other month on record. And this is because of the toxic and volatile drug supply with unpredictable concentrations of fentanyl and adulterants like benzodiazepines. So it's important that we understand the cause if we're going to talk about so-called solutions. And the proposed piece of legislation, the Compassionate Intervention Act, uh, is a piece of legislation that will allow families, physicians, or police to seek a treatment order, which would require a person to engage in treatment for their addiction. It's actually a political strategy aimed to rationalize forced treatment, involuntary detention of people who use drugs, and it's certainly not compassionate. Um, you know, this is criminalization by another name. It is a means to disproportionately target or displace or detain people who use drugs, particularly those who have no homes or safe places to use. Mm. So there are a lot of questions that surround this, and there are a lot of people that object, and I think maybe it's due to what you were explaining. Maybe it's because of misinformation and misunderstanding when it comes to this. But my question, Corey, is that this feels like, as you just described, such a big problem with so many layers. I I find it hard to believe that there's one solution. So, you know, we've talked about harm reduction. We've talked about safe supply. Why can't we have those elements to treat what this crisis really is all about and include something like the Compassionate Intervention Act to give people a better quality of life. Can you speak to that? Well, first what I will, uh, you know, kind of uh, try to be with you on that on that part is that there's a lot of, like, all-or-nothing debates that are going on sure. or, you know, if it's not this thing, then we need to do the other thing, and that's rarely actually the right way forward because people need options. But what they need is evidence-based options. They need ethical options, and they need options that are informed by people who are actually going to access those services. And if you look at involuntary care, there is no robust body of evidence to support doing something like this. 
the evidence actually shows is that there is an increased risk for harm. It is an opportunity to drive a wedge between patients and the healthcare system by generating mistrust. It has the potential to create or recreate traumas. It is, as I said, not supported by the evidence, but it actually has the potential to increase the risk for death because if we put people in positions where we are artificially dropping their tolerance, when they are released from those settings and they relapse and they have no established tolerance, the risk for death is higher and people die after they leave these types of care settings. It is actually just a rebranding of institutionalization and arresting our way out of issues, uh, which is not proven to be effective uh, or something that's, that's good for the community or the individuals accessing those services. I'm glad that you use the the phrase all or nothing because I think that's where people immediately go and they and they they assume that if we're going to pull back on the idea of moving forward with compassionate intervention that means that we're going to then be doing nothing and I think that leaves people really frustrated and really angry at the idea of this just perpetuating and continuing on. So let's talk a little bit about the evidence that surrounds harm reduction. From what I understand and maybe you can clarify this Corey is that there it's hard to gather evidence when it comes to harm reduction because harm reduction efforts have been so limited and so scaled back. Is there truth to that? What evidence do we have? The evidence on harm reduction is robust. However, the amount of harm reduction that we're actually able to implement is breadcrumbs compared to what is actually needed at the scale of the amount of people who are at risk. You talk about an intervention like safe supply, there's a lot of talk about safe supply in British Columbia, but actually less than 5% of people who actually need a safe supply are on it currently. So there isn't even, you know, barely a fraction of what is actually needed. And so it's difficult to discern what impact it could have if it was implemented on a larger scale. But harm harm reduction is also a reaction to injustice and to bad drug policies. And so we need to also amend those harmful drug laws and drug policies so that we can actually address the root causes of the unregulated drug supply. That being said, harm reduction has many systematic reviews and peer-reviewed articles and peer-reviewed studies that show access to those services, reduce individual harms, increase connections to care, decrease the potential for overdose death or death in other ways, and improve community uh, improve community benefits, including a reduction in healthcare costs and emergency department utilization. And that's well known and well studied. Contrary to that, there is nothing supporting involuntary care and detention of people who use drugs. And there's actually a resource out there from the BC CDC that reviews the evidence on it and shows that it is not an effective strategy. You're going to get people, and we will get people, that say, look, if there's been 36,000 Canadians that have died since 2016, those people have family members that I'm sure at this point would say, look, I would have I would have signed off on having them go into treatment because maybe my relative or the person I loved could be around today. Is that a reasonable argument? Of course. There's people who are currently grieving the loss of their children who are saying that they wish they had access to harm reduction services and supervised consumption services. There's people who wish that their child had ready access to treatment services. We also have to acknowledge that treatment services are largely unregulated, much less the unregulated drug supply. And so it is also unpredictable and unmonitored. And we need to see regulated evidence-based options available to people on demand. So wherever you are in your substance use journey, if you need to go to a supervised consumption service, if you need to access the safe supply, or if you want to go into treatment, that those options are available to you and that they're ethical and evidence-based. 
317. This is Chelsea on Chet. Thanks for being here, Chet Nation. We're talking about the Compassionate Intervention Act and why many medical professionals are saying that this goes against their ethics and their moral code. Uh, one of our guests right now speaking to this is a registered nurse, president of the Harm Reduction Nurses Association, Corey Ranger. Corey, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, no worries. So talk a little bit about the ethical uh, dilemma here when it comes to the way that this is being perceived by medical professionals. We're talking about forced treatment, essentially forced treatment for those addicted to drugs and the idea that the outcome will just result in in failure. Speak to the ethics of this and why this is something so concerning. Well, I mean, first, healthcare providers, including physicians, nurses, allied care providers, we all have a duty first to do no harm. And we're bound by it Do you feel optimistic that this pushback is going to result in the kind of strategies and changes that really need to be implemented to treat this drug crisis as the way that you described it? I think that we are going to see more people push back and we're going to see some unity in pushing back against this type of draconian policy. And I do feel hopeful that healthcare professionals, but also the general population of Alberta and of Canada will say this is not the way that we address complex social issues. You know, if you're worried about people in visible poverty, without homes, without safe places to use, then advocate for accessible housing, advocate for safe places for people to use, and improving the material conditions of all people, because the answer is never to punish People who use drugs are the experts in their own needs, and this is not something that they're asking for. Corey, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. I really appreciate getting your perspective on this and uh, for providing a little bit of clarity. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Take care. That's Corey Ranger, registered nurse and president of the Harm Reduction Nurses Association, was one of uh, five authors of an article in the Edmonton Journal, if you want to read that, um, talking about the Compassionate Intervention Act and suggesting that it's going to do more harm than good. Uh, and I know you've got opinions on this one, Chet Nation, so uh, please weigh in, 780-496-0063, if you want to share your thoughts. Um, Corey, speaking to the fact that the evidence suggests that Harm reduction is the way to move forward and forced treatment will ultimately result in failure.